I'm excited about what 2017 has in store for our church. The reason why I'm excited is because we just capped off the best year we have ever had as a church, ever in our history. And I'm going to take some time this morning to do two things. I'm going to recap last year and then talk about this year and what I'm expecting and believing God for this year. And then we're going to get into the Word of God. So if you um, like to get a jump on things in the message, you can turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 7. Numbers chapter 7. And we will be there in a few moments. But what I want to do before we get to the text this morning, and this is not the preaching time of our service, I'm going to recap 2016. And then I want to whet your appetite for 2017. And I, I believe that God is not nearly done with what he wants to do here at Waters Church in terms of life change in our community and seeing God do amazing things in families and individuals throughout this area. Can I get an amen for that? So we're looking forward, but we're also going to, before we look forward, just look back. And then the message today is how do we get there? How, how do we start getting there? Well, the theme for our year, 2017, this is the theme, living in the presence giving to his purpose. And those two things, I believe, are what we're going to aim at as a church this year. I'm going to preach a message series on living in God's presence. What does it look like to live in God's presence? Because here's what I think you need to understand, is that some of you come here every single week, but you have yet to experience the presence of God. And there's nothing that would change your life faster than an experience with the living God. There's nothing that will totally revolutionize who you are change your mood, change your outlook on life, transform how you see your past, your present, and your future. Nothing will do that like a moment in the presence of a living God. Come on, we serve a living God. Amen, somebody? He's alive in this place this morning. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people come every week, but they've never experienced the presence of God. I'm going to teach you about how to come in to the presence of God. In fact, last night I was praying about this and the Lord gave me the first message. We're going to talk about living in the presence. But that comes after our series on Galatians, which starts next week. It's called The Gospel for Heathens. You don't want to miss that. Uh, giving to his purpose, I want 2017 to be the best giving year we've ever had as a church. I want us to give away more money to missions. I want us to give more money to ministry. I want us to invest more money into the kingdom. And I want you to be giving more than you've ever given to the kingdom of God in your life. Can I get a good amen? 
See, I always got to ask for an amen after something like that because when, when you talk about money, people in the church get funny. And so we want to be a giving people. Why? Because God is a giving God. He's a generous God. He's, the, he's always giving you. Every day you get something from God. You know what you got right now? You got the sun in the sky this morning. Beautiful morning here in New England. Nice and cold, but there's no snow falling. Praise Jesus. Snow is not here, but the sun is in the air, and I'll take that every day of winter if you ask me. I like that kind of day. But nonetheless, we want to be a giving people because our God is a giving God. So before we get into this uh, theme with our message, I want to talk about last year. And I want to recap three areas of our church from last year, the spiritual life, the financial life, and the ministry life of our church. So I usually do this on the first, first Wednesday of the year, but a lot of you don't go to first Wednesday. Uh, so I thought, man, let's do it on the weekend. Then everybody can feel like they're more of a part of what's happening here. All right, so let's take a look, number one, at Waters Church's spiritual life for 2016. First off, huge number for salvations. 840 salvations in 2016. Come on. That is amazing. Now, the next number I'm excited about in some ways, but not so excited about in other ways, and you'll see why in just a moment. But baptism number for 2016 was 66. Now, I think we should give a praise offering for that. That's good. But I also hear you, feel you. What a dichotomy between salvations and baptisms. That's not good. I agree with you. We're going to do better, and I believe we're already doing better. We just hired somebody. His name's Chris McEwen. Oh, he's right there in the front row. Chris, just stand up real quick. Chris McEwen is our director of pastoral care. Amen. Uh, that was so quick. They didn't even see your face. Most of you have seen his face. He's been up here before. But anyway, he's a director of pastoral care. His job is to move people into, into the life of the church. His job is to take people who are first-time guests and move them all the way through to being active participants of the kingdom of God here at Waters Church. And since he's been hired, we hired him in December. Since he's been hired, he's already doing a phenomenal job. And in the last two months, we've had 36 people sign up or get baptized already. If this number continues, we will more than double our number from last year. So we're already on the upward swing. Amen. Now, to that extent, even if we double this number, it's still far cry from what we get for salvations. And I have a reason for that. I have an explanation for that. And this happens in every church in America. Trust me, I've been to conferences. I've talked to other pastors. There's always a huge dichotomy between the number of people who say they get saved and the number of people who get baptized. First off, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 13 when he said there were four soils. And how many soils actually produced any fruit? One. One out of four soils actually respond and produce fruit and take root in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus taught us to expect that there would be a lot of people who would respond, but very few people who would stay the course and start bearing fruit in the kingdom. Uh, but I got three other reasons why this number is so uh, large in, in difference. Uh, three of them, all, three reasons, they all begin with the letter S. Number one, people are stubborn. How many know some stubborn people? Say amen. Right? If you didn't say amen, you were the stubborn person that person said amen about. That person said you were stubborn about. All right, so people are stubborn. No matter how many times we tell them, they're still like, nah, 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 stubborn. Secondly, people don't stay. Like, you know, this is a reality. Uh, they come for Christmas Eve. They come for Easter. They just kind of like, oh, all right, put the hand up. Maybe an emotional response. Maybe, you know, I don't know the story about the puppy that was saved by the accident or something like that. And they, oh, 
and all right, I'll give my life to Jesus, but they really don't know what's happening, so they don't stay. And that's just the reality. People did not stay when Jesus was preaching. He was the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. And at one point, he lost his entire congregation except for his 12 disciples. So there are going to be moments like that. So some people don't stay. Number three, though, and this is a big one in this area, a lot of people got sprinkled. How many know what I'm talking about? Sprinkled. I'm talking about all the Lutherans, Presbyterians, Catholics in the house. You know what I'm talking about? Your mom and dad took you to the church, and before you could even control your bowels, they got you baptized. I want to let you know something. That's fantastic, wonderful. But the New Testament teaches us that baptism is an act of obedience. Somebody say obedience. Now listen, nobody can obey God for you. So if mom and dad sprinkled you, I think that their intentions were noble, wonderful, great. I do not take anything away from that. But if you're a Christian and if you know Christ has saved you, it's time for you personally to walk in obedience to Jesus. Not resting on what someone else did for you, but making a decision for yourself to walk through obedient act of of following Jesus. And and think about this. Even Jesus himself, who was dedicated when he was an infant, he himself got baptized when he was 30. So when it comes to baptism, my question is, what would Jesus do? He got baptized as an adult. If you have not yet gotten baptized as an adult, I would follow Jesus. I would obey Jesus. And I would go through the waters of baptism. And you say, well, how young can I get baptized? We usually say about 10 or above. You can get baptized here at Waters Church. And we believe that's the a good age. We don't know if that's theological, but we believe that's a good round number for when we should baptize someone. All right, so anyway, great numbers in salvations. We're believing God for even more and more baptisms in 2017. Okay, let's move on to financial life. I want to share a little bit about what happened in 2016 with the money. I want us to be good stewards of our money. I want you to know that we do everything that we can to be diligent with what God trusts us with. Money is a sacred trust. People are a more sacred trust, but money is a sacred trust. And, and so the financial life for our income, I want to let you know that 10%, first, first number off the books every day, every week, 10% of everything that comes in goes out of this church. We give 10% away to missions, foreign missions, domestic missions, and church plant missions. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want to be a blessing to the world. We don't want to just focus on our little area right here. We don't want to just focus on our building. So every dime that comes in, one penny goes out of this place. That is called the tithe, T-I-T-H-E. Tithe is actually the word. It means one-tenth. So one-tenth that comes in goes out. By the way, you should personally tithe. You should personally tithe. That means give away 10% of whatever comes in. I personally believe you should give 10% to whatever house of worship you, you worship at, and you should give beyond and above that to other things, other missions, organizations, other things to sponsor children and Compassion International or give to foreign missionaries or whatever. And, and I believe that that is a principle of the Scripture. And I just want to let you know that in 2013, we decided to tithe as a church. And ever since we decided to tithe as a church, God has blown away our income. God has blown away our influence. God has increased our growth rate. God has increased the spiritual life of this church. This church has never seen such a dramatic shift in how, what kind of church we are since we decided to honor God with the first fruits of our increase. God honors those who honor him 
in the tithe. Can I get a good amen for that? Amen. All right. I was going to ask for an amen for those moments, but that's, that's a good amen. All right, second thing. Uh, 41% of our income goes to ministry. Now, last night I had these two numbers together, and it came to 51%, then it added up to 110%, but no, we fixed it today. Uh, 41% of what comes in goes to ministry, the things that actually make ministry happen. Okay, so that means, and, and let me unpack what that means a little bit more by the next two numbers, uh, 29% of our income goes to salaries. So this ministry number is not including that number. This number is different from this number. I don't want you to think. Here's what I want you, want you to think. I don't want you to think for one second that, that this church exists to give people jobs. We have 14 people on staff, but this church does not exist to give people jobs. This church exists to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see God change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to stay conservative financially with what comes in. I just believe that's a good principle. And so the national average for churches in percentages of their income for salaries is actually 45%. We're 16% lower than the national average. Uh, In church studies, they would call us a lean church. Amen. That's good news for those of you who wanted to lose weight. You've already lost weight by being a part of this church. Praise God. You are now part of a lean church. Now, they've already discovered, they've done a lot of research. There's a lot of research out there about how churches should spend their money. And uh, they found out that if a church crosses the threshold of 48%, to their salaries, that church starts to lose people. And, it's, and it no longer is part of the king, no longer functioning as a, uh, an active participant to the kingdom's purposes of reaching people for Christ. It actually just starts to lose people because all it exists for is to make some people rich or make some people live a comfortable lifestyle. We don't want to be that kind of church. We never want to be that. Never, ever, ever do we want to be that kind of church. So 49%, that's like the magic number. You start losing people. If you're at 48%, you stay at plateaued size. If you are at 35%, you are a growing church. They've done many studies, and they find this out. The lower the, rate, the percentage of salaries, the, lo- the higher the rate of growth. So for gro- the fastest growing churches, check this out. The fastest growing churches on average in America uh, pay 35% to salaries. We are even lower than the average for the fastest growing churches in America. That's why our church is so blessed, I believe, and that's why God has added to our number. In fact, we grew in attendance by about 45% last year, and we kept our salaries steady, and God is blessing that. And I share this to kind of just... Like alleviate some of your concerns. What are we doing with the money here? And at the same time, get you to buy in on what's going on here financially because I want to let you know that we do everything that we can to live a conservative fiscal lifestyle for the church and put money into life change because Jesus came to change lives. Amen. Amen. The next number is very... um, Difficult for me to explain for a moment, but let me just talk about it. 20% of our income goes to debt services right now. I'm going to just tell you that's too high. Uh, the average in America, I believe I read, was about 12, 13%. Now, why is that so high? We just bought a home. 
When you first buy your home, how many know you are house broke for a little while? So guess what? We're a big family, and we just bought this huge home. We paid $7.5 million for this huge home. Thank you, Jesus, for this home. But we are broke. (laughs) All right, so in a couple of years, and we're going to work hard to get this number where it should be. But we're going to work hard to make sure we're very conservative, very responsible, very diligent in the matters that God entrusts us with financially. And my promise to you is that we will get that number done. It may take a couple of years, but right now that's where we're at. And so, uh, you know, we really, I know this is high, but we really can't kind of like fault us just yet. Maybe in five years, if it's still that high, man, we, we got a problem. But we don't want to stay there. We're going to trust God that he'll increase the income, and we will also pay down that debt as fast as possible. Amen. Third area we want to talk about for 2016 was uh, ministry life. Now, I measure the effectiveness of a church by two things. How is it doing loving God, number one? And number two, anybody want to guess? How is it doing loving people? Because Jesus said the greatest commandments are really simple. The two great commandments. In fact, he said you could summarize the whole Old Testament with two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what else? Love your neighbor. So I measure the success of our church by two categories. The vertical love for God that we have. And and let me just say that I was listening to you sing and worship today. And, and the worship ministry, the singing, the band, and, and all that stuff. And I know it's not just singing that, that we worship God in, but, but I want to say that I've already seen over the course of the last couple of months the worship level of this auditorium rise. And I love that. I love the fact. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you open your mouths and you sing and you celebrate Jesus and you love to declare his goodness in the world. Come on, somebody, Jesus is worthy of our worship. If you can go to Fenway Park and sing Sweet Caroline at the top of your lungs, you better get into church and sing, I love you, Jesus, without shame and without fear, because he's worthy of our praise. He's always worthy of our praise. But anyway, we love God. But I think a ministry test for our church is how are we doing with small groups loving one another? So in 2016, great year for small groups. By the year end of 2015, we had 32 small groups. By the year end of 2016, we have 65 small groups. That's fantastic. We are not done. We want to double that again, okay? Uh, We also have many more leaders. Let's put that next point up. 95 leaders in small groups. And we have, this is a fantastic number, 67 people currently in training to become small group leaders. So excited about that because we want to increase the number of small groups. Let me tell you why this is so important. By the way, this is 100% growth in the last year. Um, Thomas Friedman, he's a New York Times columnist just wrote a book, and I love his books. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, of course. He's not a believer, but his books are fantastic. He just finished a book about technology and the effects of technology upon uh, the culture and how technology can be used for amazing good things, and it's true. But he went to one of the greatest surgeons in America, and he interviewed him for the research of the book, and he said, tell me, this incredible surgeon in America, he said, tell me, what's the number one disease that you as a surgeon are wrestling with right now? 
What's the most harmful disease in America right now? You know what that, that surgeon said? He said, loneliness. Loneliness is killing us as a country. And, and Thomas Friedman says, and it's a lot to do with technology. We are so isolated. Come on, we have a computer in our pocket. Some of us have a computer on our wrists. And we just kind of like isolate, isolate, isolate. And most of our day is spent looking at a screen that's two feet in front of us. And by the way, what are we looking at on that screen? We're looking at everybody else's fake life. It's true. We're looking at your highlight reel. Come on, this is true. This is why I do not post pictures of us on the beach and I don't post pictures of where I go and show you my awesome life. I do not want you lusting or coveting after what I do with my life. I don't want to lust and covet after what you do in your life. That's why I am not even on Facebook. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But we look at all these people's lives, all these fake lives. Everybody posts all their highlights. You ever notice how nobody ever posts on Facebook, just got into a horrible fight with my husband. I want a divorce. Well, maybe a couple of do, but those are the psychos in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody else is like, look at me, awesome, hi. You know, and, and so we start to look at everybody else's life, and then we start to feel like, man, my life stinks. And then we don't really have, what we, we don't have conversations with people. Now we get into political internet fights, and we start hating everybody. And I think it's just, you know, sometimes I just look at what's on, online, I just say, man, the internet was a mistake. Can we just undo this? But, 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 but. You know, what we see is there's so much isolation. People need love. Here's a perfect opportunity for our church right here. Put down the smartphone and talk to somebody. Love somebody. Connect with somebody. Get to know somebody. And I think that if you join a small group at Waters Church, you're going to find that this is one of the most loving groups of people on God's green earth. I think this church is fantastic. Get into a small group and watch God start to change your life through relating with other people instead of just gazing at a glowing screen. And, um, and that's what I'm praying for in 2017. So that we experience the presence of God in our small groups. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about is attendance. How are we doing with attendance? Well, this is the only stat that I want to share with you about attendance. It's irrelevant. I don't care how many people come. Mind you, we do keep track. We keep track so that we can get loans from the bank. Praise Jesus. <laughs> but anybody can come to church. The effectiveness of our church is not measured by how many people come and sit in the seats for 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. That's not the effectiveness of our church. And anybody can sell out a stadium. Come on. Carrot Top can sell out an auditorium. All right? We, anybody can sell out a stadium and an auditorium. We don't want to just gather a big group of people that are happy they're in church on the weekend we want to create disciples. We want to make disciples. We want to make disciples of all nations and teach people how to obey Jesus and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world and to be a blessing in their office space, in their schoolroom, in their play areas, in their families and houses. And we want to change the world by making disciples of Jesus. 
So I am glad, listen, I am glad that you came. And listen, if your New Year's resolution was to come to church, you have my permission to skip ahead to February 23rd, National Drop Your New Year's Resolution Day, and give it up because just coming to this building will not change your life. I'm going to ask that you get engaged into the life of the church, start loving people, start giving to God's purposes, start worshiping Jesus, open your heart, open your life, open your home, and watch God's Holy Spirit do a revolution, not just in you, but in everybody who knows you. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. And some of you, and I say this with absolute pastoral love, and most of you know that after I say that comes something awful. You have been coming to this church for years, and you have yet to give, to serve, or to get into a small group. And this is your year. Come on. This is your year to get off the sideline and get into the game. Help us change the world. Move from consumer. Thank you. Ooh, PVD donuts too. Thank you. Thank. Move from consumer. Come on, to contributor. Be a part of it. Can I get a good amen? All right, amen. 2017, our year's theme, living in the presence, giving to his purpose. Numbers chapter 7, we're going to talk about giving. And uh, we're going to, so this is about a little bit about our, our theme this year. And I want to talk to you today about how important it is that God's people give to God's work. How important it is that God's people give to God's work. In fact, here's a great New Year's resolution to start giving to God's work. If you're already giving to God's work, to give more to God's work. And I'm not just talking about giving to this church. So I'm talking about just being a giver, replicating God's life in you. He's given great things to you. You give it to other people. Now, the reason why I want to talk about giving is because we're going to ask you to give more than we've ever given before as a church. And the reason why we're going to do that is because Waters Church, I got an announcement to make. We're pregnant. No, not me and Cheryl. No, 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 no. We as a church are pregnant, and we are pregnant with twins. We're going to start two new churches in 2017. One in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and one in Milford, Massachusetts. Yeah. And we're sending, we're sending our, our, our little babies out in nine months. In September of 2017, the Fiellas to Milford, the Shackletons and their team to Woonsocket. And by the way, we're hoping that for both of them, 40 to 60 of you go with them. And, and hear, 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 hear me, I'm hoping for that because I want us to give people. L listen to me. To give people away for most pastors is the scariest thing in the world. I want you to know I'm not scared of that. I want us to send people away to do the work of the ministry in other communities that need Jesus. I want us to do that. And you're going to watch. Some of you are going to get a front row seat to watch what happens when you start to let go of what God gives you and you start to give it away. Because what's going to happen is when those people go out, new people are going to come in and we're going to be bigger than ever. 
with more people than ever and more ministry than ever and more life change than ever because God always blesses giving. Giving resources, giving money, giving time, giving treasure. It all gets blessed back into your life because God honors those who give. So 2017, we're going to give people and money away. I want you to give your money and time away so that God's purposes can be fulfilled in our church. And you're going to watch. You're going to watch. And I can't wait. I can't wait for you to see it because it's going to be awesome. And you're going to learn how good God is. All right. Numbers chapter 7. Would you stand with me? Number seven is the longest chapter in the first five books of Moses. We're not going to read the whole chapter. It's 89 verses long. Come on, that's too much to read. (laughs) But we're going to look at the first couple of verses, and then we're going to unpack what it all means. And the reason why we're not going to read the whole thing is because you can read the first part, and it just kind of repeats, and uh, and we'll talk about it in a moment, what that's all about. So here's what it says in verse 1. On the day... When Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, now the tabernacle was their church building. When he finished setting up their church building and anointed it and consecrated it with his furnishings and anointed and consecrated the altar with his utensils, the chiefs of Israel, somebody say chiefs, the chiefs of Israel, heads of their father's house, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord. And then it lists all the offerings, and it says they brought them before the tabernacle, and it goes on. And then skip down to verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offerings one chief each day for the dedication of the altar. So the the people of Israel, you could say this is like God's first church, that they are bringing their gifts, their offerings, to the completed temple for the ministration of God's work. So that God can do some things in people's lives. They're going to bring it for the dedication of the altar. An altar is where people meet with God. Okay? And then it says this, verse 12. He who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Abinadab, of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was, and now this is the part that just repeats 12 times in the chapter. It says, his offering was one plate, silver plate, whose weight was 130 shekels. One silver basin, 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering. One golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense. One bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb, a year old, burnt offering. One male goat for a sin offering. And for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male lambs, five male goats, I'm sorry, and five male lambs, a year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Abinadab. Now, if you've got your Bible open, you will see that the next day, someone else comes forward from a different tribe and offers the exact same thing. And then if you skip down, it says, on the third day, someone else from another tribe offered the exact same thing. And then you skip down, it says, on the fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, said all the way to 12 days. By the way, this is where the 12 days of Christmas song comes from. Just kidding. No, but they gave for 12 days to the dedication of the altar. Now look what happens in the end of the book, um, end of the chapter, verse 89. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting, after all the people gave, when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, although he was going to pray, look what it says. He heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of testimony from between the two cherubim And I love these last words in this passage. It says, and it spoke to him. And it spoke to him. Let's pray. Ask God to speak to us. Father, I ask that we will see Jesus in this place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this moment in which we can come together as your church. 
And I pray, God, that you will birth something in our lives today. Transform us by your grace. May Jesus' name be praised in 2017 through this church. God, we love you. We give you our time and our attention. Help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. What is the best thing that could happen to you in 2017? Maybe you're hoping this is the year you finally get married. Well, join a small group at Waters Church and look around. Hallelujah. (laughs) Maybe you're hoping this is the year that you finally get pregnant. Don't go for that in a water church small group. I'll tell you that right now. Freak some people out. Maybe this is the year you're finally hoping to get that job, that promotion, that income. Maybe this is the year you're hoping you can finally move somewhere warm. Maybe this is the year that you're hoping you win the lottery. I don't know. Whatever it is, what are you hoping for? What's the best thing? Here's the answer that I think would apply to everybody. I think the best thing that could happen to any of you in 2017 is that you hear from God personally. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. The best thing that could happen to you is to hear from God. No, no, no. Hear from God. You need to understand that there is a big difference between coming to church and hearing from God. Big difference. A lot of people come to church, never hear from God. They just go through the religious motions. I want you to hear from God. In fact, every week when I prepare to preach, my prayer is, God, I want to get out of the way so that your people can hear from you. I I don't want to be impressive. I want to be effective. I want to be effective that you might hear from God. And it's amazing to me, sometimes people will come up to me afterwards and they will say, hey, you know how you said this, that, the other thing? Man, that really spoke to me. And I'll be like looking at them saying, well, I didn't say that. Somebody else must have said that. And I think that's wonderful. God is speaking. And sometimes even when I'm not saying what he wants me to say to some people, he'll just say, don't worry about it, Tim. I'll take care of this. And he says it to them himself. That's fantastic. I want you to hear from God. I think about my life, the three times in my life when I can really say, wow, God really spoke to me. The first time was about when I went to college. I was planning to go to one college, and, and every time I went to visit that campus, God kept saying no. And then I drove, literally drove on the campus of my college that I actually went to, and without seeing a single building, and without visiting it, and without talking to anybody, God spoke to me in the driveway and said, this is where I want you. Literally just spoke, like not audibly, but I just felt that was it. And God brought me to that college by his divine guidance. Another time when things were going horribly. And I went to hear a preacher down in the south. And I went to a conference. And and the first words out of his mouth spoke straight to me. I don't even remember a single thing he said after that message. But that spoke to me. Changed my life. The third time I can think about a real time where God really loudly kind of just impressed upon me to speak to me directly was about buying this building. I've shared this with you before, but I just want to repeat it. Like nine years ago when, when we first moved into our old building. And we had just moved in. The paint was still drying. And I walked through this building because it came up to, for sale. 
I was up in the office areas walking through and, and I walked out the window. I can still tell you where I was exactly looking at which window. And, and as I was looking out that window, God said to me, this is where I want the church. I said, God, you must be crazy. We just moved into another place. We just spent a lot of money. And yet here we are nine years later sitting here worshiping Jesus and God is blessing our church. Come on. When God speaks, he always follows through on what he said he would do. I love that about God. What would happen in your life if you heard from God? And I'm talking to the people today, I hope you understand this, that don't feel they're worthy to hear from God, that don't think they're churchy enough to hear from God, that don't think they've been religious enough, they don't have the religious heritage or upbringing or, you know, whatever, so they, they don't feel like they've been, you know, baptized enough into the church atmosphere to hear from God. I want to tell you something, that at some point, everybody in the Bible who God spoke to was unworthy for God to speak to them. Abraham was an idol worshiper. Noah was a drunk. There are people in the Bible that God speaks to. They were not worthy when God spoke to them, but when God spoke to them, it was a sign of his grace because God's grace is what makes us worthy. And if you believe in Christ Jesus, I got good news for you. His blood makes you worthy because his blood washes away all of the unworthiness and it imputes to you all of his worthiness so that when you enter into the presence of God, you have every right to be there just like Jesus. You can expect to hear from God by his grace. When you come to church, know this. When you come to church here, you can. Yes, you. Little old nasty you. Happy New Year. Can hear from God. I love verse 89 in Numbers chapter 7. When, when Moses walks in, he goes into the temple to talk to God. What happens? God starts talking to him. Isn't that cool? By the way, this is, this is how some of your prayer lives have to change in 2017, right here. This is how some of your prayer lives have to change in 2017. You're always going to God, God, I'm so tired of everything. Would you just kill my boss? Please, just kill him. I don't care. Or, Lord, I just need more money. Oh, Lord, I just need... Ah. And you're just bullet listing all your knees to God. And God is in heaven saying, would you shut up and let me speak to you? Because he wants to. You know what we call the Bible? Do you know what we call the Bible? What do we call it? The Word of God. How many know God is long-winded? <laughs> he wants to speak. He's got a lot to say. In 2017, wouldn't it be awesome? If God, as you're looking for a house to buy, God spoke to you and said, not that one. You're like every other part of your life is like, yes, that's the one. And God just says, nope, that's not the one. And you don't buy that house. And you buy a different house. And then you find out that house had a bad foundation. That house had a bunch of liens on it. That house, this, that, the other thing. And God, because he spoke to you, spared you all kinds of pain and all kinds of frustration. How many would like that to happen? Or how about when you're looking for a spouse and God's like, not that one. And, and, and you're like, no, God, they are hot. Have you seen them? You create, they are smoking. Good job. God's like, yeah, they're going to be smoking for eternity someday. You better stay away. 
I don't know if you would actually say that, but that was funny. Come on. That was funny. Loosen up. It's all right to laugh in church a little bit. <laughs> when God speaks, he changes your life. There's a difference between going to church and hearing from God. And, and I love how it says, and, God, and, and when God spoke to Moses in verse 8, and it spoke to him. I, I can be preaching the same message to two people sitting next to each other in this room. One person walks out the door, and they're offended and mad. The other person's heart has been set on fire. I, there's a difference. Both went to church. Both did the whole same thing. But God spoke. I want that to be the case for you. How did it happen? It happened when the people started to give. This is how it happens in, in Numbers chapter 7. And it says it when, when Moses set up the tabernacle, verse 1. He set it up. It was built. It's a lot like where we are as a church right now. The tabernacle, the place of worship, is built. And then they consecrated. They anointed it. That's what we did in December 3rd. We, we dedicated this place to the kingdom of God. God, have your way. with Like Numbers chapter 7 is a lot like where we are as a church. And, and then it says, after they dedicated it, look what it says in verse 2, that the leaders, the chiefs, came and brought their offering. Like as soon as they dedicated it, the people started giving to it. And then they knew that this place needed to be resourced. This place needed to be given to. This place needed to be empowered, to be successful. And then God said to Moses, receive their gifts in verse 4. Let them give. It's a good thing for my people to know that they should give. I want to tell you something. God has always held his people accountable for paying the way for people to meet with him. He's always done that. What I'm saying is we do not rely on the state to make our income happen. We don't rely on some diocese in some foreign country. The way that this church continues to run is because of the faithful giving of the people who come to this church, myself included. And so this is what happens in Numbers chapter 7. For 12 days, the people give. And listen, 12 days of giving led to Israel hearing from God. 12 days of giving led to Israel hearing from God. Here's my promise to you. Once you start giving, once you start investing, once you start letting go and blessing the purposes in the kingdom of God, I guarantee you God is going to start speaking directly into your life. So, so, so it says that one after another, all 12 tribes represented by one person come and bring their offerings to God. Five points about giving that I want you to see in this passage. Number one, the leaders exemplified the giving. If you're taking notes, write it down. The leaders exemplified the giving. I got a great question. Did the leaders give because they were leaders? Or were they leaders because they were givers? Did, anybody, did everybody catch that? Did they give because they were leaders and they felt, well, I got to give, I'm a leader? Or did they become leaders because they were givers? I think it was the second one. Here's what I mean. God blesses givers. Some of you want to be a leader in your world, but you're not a giver. How, how can you work contrary to the way God works? He's a giver. How can you work contrary and be a taker and expect God to bless what he, what he is not? God will not bless taking. He will bless giving. Do you know why? Because he's a giver. 
Now, now there's a time in your life, yes, where you need to take. Yes, there is time. But at some point, you got to start giving. And, 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 and please don't make this excuse. Well, I'll start giving once God starts blessing. That's not how it works. God starts blessing once you start giving. Can I get a good amen for that? Um, my wife and I have tithed every year of our life in this church. Every year. And before that too. But every year we've led this church, we have tithed 10%. Actually, it's more than that to this church now. I added up all the giving we've all done over the last 14 years. Building fund on top of tithes and offerings and the regular tithes and offerings. I, I couldn't believe it. It came to a year's salary. I share this to tell you that if you look at my life, if you look at this church and you say, wow, this church is blessed, please know, please, please know that it's not because I'm all that. It's not. I'm not all that. I am a stupid kid from Western Massachusetts because everybody in Western Massachusetts has a you know, problem up there. I'm just telling you, I was, I was from there. I have the right to say that. God has blessed and I believe this, giving in my life. Some of you think that you need a higher income. You don't need a higher income. Do you know what you need? You might want to write this down. You don't need a higher income. You need God's blessing on your production. If God starts to bless your production, people are going to pay you more for what you're producing. It's just To me, that just sounds simple. Like, I like to tell you simple stuff. That's, that just sounds so simple. You want more money, but you want God to just kind of miraculously do it. No. Let God bless what you're doing and watch the money follow. And money is not evil. And wealth is not evil. And God, I believe, yeah, God, God will bless some people with extraordinary wealth. But I've seen this a hundred times over in my life. The people that God blesses the most are the ones who know how to give the most. The leaders exemplified the giving, and they became, I believe, they became leaders because they were givers. Number two, if you're taking notes, the giving was costly. If you add up all their gifts, I, I added this up, and I kind of like, you know, I, you know, looked it up. It was a big, long process, but I just found out. It was about $1.5 million of giving combined. These were costly gifts for a, a nomadic people. Gold plates, basins, silver basins, ladles, all that kind of, It was serious giving. Listen, if your giving is not creating a little bit of a twinge in your heart, I just say you're not giving. You know what I mean? Like if you're just giving the leftovers to God, well, any doofus can do that. Any cheapskate can give God a $5 bill that he doesn't really need. I'm talking about intentional, costly giving. When, when, it, when it comes to giving, to, to say, Lord God, I believe that all things come from you, and I believe that you are worthy of all that I can give you, but Lord, thank you that you only require of me this. I thank you, God, that all things are yours, and all things come from you. And so, God, it is no problem to trust you by giving this, and let it be costly to me. Uh, uh, David said this in First Chronicles 21, 24. He said, I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. Do you, do you think that God blessed David's life? He blessed David's life because David was a giver. I will not give God something that doesn't cost me anything. I mean, that's not worthy of God. Now listen to me very carefully. You can go to almost any town or city in Massachusetts, and you will see 
The schools are updated and modern. The library is beautiful. The parks are beautiful. The stores are gorgeous. The malls are elaborate. The restaurants are amazing. And then if you walk down Main Street and you go into the white steepled church, you walk into a time warp like it's 1965 and the carpet hasn't been changed and it smells like somebody's feet. You know what I'm talking about. And they haven't changed or updated anything. And it just looks old and nasty. And I think those kind of churches are a disgrace to the great name of Jesus. And I think that, I think that Satan just dances in the streets at those towns. Just, Look at this town. They love their schools. They love their shopping malls. They love their sports stadiums like Gillette Stadium. Come on. Gillette Stadium is like a cathedral to football. The great high priest, Tom Brady, has now taken the pig offering and thrown it. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like sports and recreation anymore. Friends, come on. It is like a religion. And and you guys go crazy for that. I don't get, go crazy. Yeah, enjoy it, but don't go crazy. Don't let it affect your mood, your life, your marriage. I mean, seriously, some of you give your whole life, your money, everything. You wear their shirts like you belong on the team. Friends, you do not play for the New England Patriots. You eat Cheetos on the couch. Thank you. (laughs) But why do we have zero problem giving all kinds of money to the shopping malls and to the sports stadiums and to the school systems, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, we suddenly turn into broke cheapskates. And the devil says, that's exactly the kind of church I like. And it's a disgrace to the name of Jesus. I believe that God is worth it. I believe the gospel is worth it. Here's what I love about our church. When I say we bought this place for $7.5 million, none of you blinks. Do you know why? Because you also believe that God is worth it. This place should be beautiful. This place should be fantastic. This should be one of the best buildings in our town. Why? Because we serve the greatest savior in the universe and his name is Jesus. He's worth it. Number, Number three, everyone gave. So are you giving or not? That's, this is, by the way, why the chapter is so stinking long. Because <laughs> it tells us what everyone gave. Twelve days of giving, twelve tribes. How many tribes did Israel have? Twelve. Everyone participated in the giving. Oh, I wasn't going to say this because I know it's going to offend some of you, but I'll say it anyway. Why are you a capitalist in every other area of your life, but when you come to church, you suddenly turn into a socialist? Ouch. In every other area of your life, you think you should pay your way, and it's, and it's worth it, and you do what's right financially, but suddenly you come to church, and you don't give, and you expect everybody else to give on your behalf. Ouch. I'll move on to number four because I know you're already offended, but you got the point. Some of you who haven't given for years, it's time 
to be a giver. Hey, online audience, I'm talking to you too. Don't just sit there on your couch and watch and take. Contribute. Give to the kingdom of God. Everybody in the house said amen. amen. Number four, every gift was recorded. This is what the Bible painstakingly does in chapter 7 of Numbers. Every gift was written down. Okay, what did he give? Okay, I'll write that down. You might not like to hear this, but we know who gives what. I, I know who gives what. I, I would be a stupid fool not to know who gives what. I'd just be a dummy. Now, I also understand that some people can't give as much as others. I understand that. And I, obviously, no matter what you give, we're going to love you in Jesus' name. But I definitely do know. And the reason why I know is because God recorded it in Numbers chapter 7 right there. In fact, Acts also records people's gifts. And this is, I'm telling you this not so that you think, wow, he knows. Here's what I think you should understand from this passage. God keeps records. He keeps records of what people give. The Bible talks about this. We're all going to stand before Christ to be judged. Everyone's going to receive a reward for the good or the evil they've done. And it says on the judgment day in 1 Corinthians 3, the fire will show the value of every person's work. If you, if you haven't given honestly, you're just going to be burned away. If you've given with good heart, it's, you're going to get a reward. Yeah, Jesus says in Matthew, Mark chapter 9, verse 41, he says, listen, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. I love how Jesus talks about giving cups of cold water. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that every gift is recorded in heaven, even something as simple as a cup of cold water. Some of you are going to get to heaven and you are going to be blown away by God's reward for all the things that you gave. And I think that we forget that this life, friends, this life is not our life. You are so, like, we're so struggling, trying so hard to, to make this life so perfect. And why won't it all come together? When will it ever come? It's never all going to come together. It's never going to come together in this life. Do you understand this? Because even if you get the physical things that you always wanted, guess what you get to do after you get all the things you physically wanted? Guess what you get to do? You get to die. And, and some of you, you get to die a slow, painful, awful death. Happy New Year. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? This life is not your life. Are you... Are you sending it up ahead? Are you, are you laying treasure where Jesus said, moth can't break in, robbers can't break in, moth and rust cannot destroy? Are you doing it? Give. It's being recorded. Number five, after they gave, God spoke. After they gave, God spoke. After the gifts come in, God, Moses walks in. He's like, God, I got something to say. God says, nope, I got a lot more to say to you. And all the words that God gives to Moses, guess what? Moses gives to us is the first five books of our Bible. We have the first five books of the Bible because God's people gave and God spoke. Now, what you need to understand about why you give to our church is you are empowering God to speak to people. You are empowering that. Every week we see people get spoken to by God, changes their lives. 
So I mentioned those 66 baptisms. We have so many videos, so many testimonies, so many ways in which we saw God speak to people. We saw it today in our baptism. We've got three baptisms in the next service. We had two baptisms last night. God's speaking to people because you, because you who are already giving, gave. And I'm expecting God to speak way more in 2017 because we've got way more people who can start honoring God with their income and give and watch him speak to thousands of people. God spoke great ways in 2016. I want you to watch how that went down. So um, Waters was the first church that we tried. We walked in, I was like super nervous, and they started playing like the first song. I don't even remember what it was, but I just started bawling my eyes out. And I looked over at my mom and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so we started coming here, and I think my relationship with Jesus Christ really changed. My wife started to come on Waters first before I did. Um, saw what changes took place in her and uh, realized that this was the place I needed to be. We're blessed to not only be driving home on Saturday night and hearing the kids talk about how with God they can be brave and Jesus is their friend, but for my husband and I of 15 years almost to be reborn in our faith. And then really in the last last six months, I've kind of been lit on fire and really have had a passion for him. And I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and, and Waters have played a big part in that. When you get here and you see a room full of people that are like you, your mentality changes. And from that moment on, I decided, you know, th this is where I want to be with my life. This is what I want to do. This is what family is. And like, I finally, it might be 24 years later, but I have family at Waters. The pastor got up and he said, is there anybody in this room that feel that you have a burden on your heart or burden on your back that you just want to let go and give it, you know, let it out? And I said, it's time.